Hey guys, welcome back to Sarah Says, the weekly podcast with me, Sarah, CEO and Chief Scrunchy Enthusiast over at Sockman Studios, talking about whatever it is that's on my mind. I'm coming to you at 9.45 in the morning. I am drinking my tea in my new fancy glass Aurora mug that says, I'm going back to bed after this. I am not. I will be going to work after this. Um, but why is it 9.45, you ask, and I'm just now drinking tea? That's because I was up until 1.30 in the morning watching the Lula Rich documentary fascinating stuff. I just, every time I was going to stop, I couldn't stop. I just had to finish it. If you do not know, Lula Rich came out on Amazon Prime, I believe it was just last week. Which, yeah, last week, two weeks ago. A brand new documentary, though, out on Amazon Prime about Lula Rowe, the infamous MLM business, selling those hideous godforsaken leggings and all of the clothing that now you can find in Goodwills for, you know, 99 cents and $1.29. Eesh. Hard times for them. What a fascinating documentary. It was only four episodes. So that was part of the reason why I ended up staying up till 1.30 because I was like, oh man, I'm almost done now. Like, oh, okay, well, I'm almost done. <laughs> so it's a really fast documentary. Just wild. I, there were parts that, I don't know, that I felt like I understood. And then there were parts not that I understood, but like that I could foresee coming. And then there were parts that I just, my mouth was absolutely hanging open. The final 15 minutes of the third episode, I was just shocked and disgusted. I horrified. Anyway, we're going to talk about Lula Rich. We're also just going to talk about MLMs in general. Fun fact, did you guys know I used to be in one? I used to sell origami out. Although I was never the hey hun, hey girl, I'm such a boss babe. I was I was never one of those girls about it. But um, yeah, I've I've walked my way around MLMs, and then you know there are ones that I just haven't heard from in forever. So I just thought we would talk about some MLM companies in general. Yeah, I don't know. I just I'm telling you, if you haven't watched Lula Rich yet, you need to watch it because. I, I'm like currently thinking about the things that I just witnessed last night, <laughs> replaying them in my head. Okay, let's get into it. So I guess first, let's just talk about Lula Rich and Lula Rowe in general. It is a four-part documentary series focusing on Mark and Deanne, who are the founders of Lula Rowe, how that came to be, and just, you know, honestly, what terribly, um, terrible people they actually are in real life. So, um, Mark and Deanne are actually second marriages. Well, I assume, you know, they didn't actually say if he had been previously married, but sh- it was noted that he had four children previous to them meeting and she was divorced with seven children at the time. So, first of all, that makes 11 kids. This is how this whole thing starts out. She says, you know, we were raising 11 kids and that just wasn't enough. So, they she adopted well, they adopted a few more. And, you know, personally, I think adoption is great. Um, I'm not begrudging that at all. But then they say that one of their adopted sons or the adopted daughter or the blood daughter with the adopted son, they share no blood relations. So if, if, if that well, I mean, it does help it, but also it just, it's not, it's, this is a Maury Povich episode, um, ended up falling in love and getting married. Yeah. So yeah, they're one of their sons and one of their daughters. And they're like, they have no blood relation though. I'm like, well, okay. Well, I mean, one, I would hope, but two, I don't know that that's your selling point on this whole idea here. I don't know. They have like four children at this point. Yikes. Um, you can't tell, well, and I don't mean to be derogatory, although to be fair, I don't really know any Mormons. They are Mormon, but I'm, I feel like that's, that was sort of self-explanatory in some ways. Um, yeah, no, I don't, I mean, I know some ex-Mormons. Do I know more? Oh, no, I guess I have cousins that are Mormons. (laughs) They're really nice though. They're pretty normal. Um, they just have two children. And uh, he, my cousin is the blood relation he married in and she's Mormon. And um, yeah, no, they're they're pretty normal though. And uh, would help anyone. And I'm like, they have a whole pantry that's just stock full. Like if there's a zombie apocalypse, if there's just an apocalypse in general, that is exactly where I'm going to because they have everything known to man. 
And I don't know if that's just a Mormon thing or if it was because they had lived in Alaska for a long time. So they had stocked up on stuff and they know how to can everything and grow everything um, on this earth. But yeah, I'm, I'm totally down for that. Um, anyway, so we start off on that revelation and you're just like, what am I about to watch? First of all, I can't imagine joining a company and finding out that the owners have a, in whatever context, brother and sister getting married. I don't know. That's just, I would, I would immediately look at that and think like, that's weird. Because they do talk about by episode three about how when they started to, like these top mentors, uh, when things started to go downhill and they were noticing how cult-like it seemed and how Mark would quote passages from the Book of Mormon. And I'm like, okay, but you guys didn't kind of like, I don't know, see that from the beginning when it was a brother and sister that got married? Like, you didn't already think that that was kind of cult-like in general? with Even with those patterns and stuff? I mean, those patterns... I think we all were around when people were having these little row home parties and then walking out with just the most hideous, god-awful patterns. I personally only ever owned one pair of leggings, and I felt bad I bought them. They were, like, discounted. It was being passed around when I worked at the preschool, and they were blue with white paper airplanes printed on them and, like, pink, like, dotted line for, like, the sailing of the paper airplanes. And, and I think I wore them one time. Uh, yeah. When was that? That was 2017, like beginning of 2017, which is really still in the height of LuLaRoe. Uh, LuLaRoe really busted out of the scenes in 2016 and in 2017. Um, but yeah, I just, I was never, that was just never my scene. I actually know someone that um, did LuLaRoe and she always made the clothes, she actually made the clothes look fashionable in a way that I was like, well, okay, that's not bad. But then it just came down to, you know, I'm not spending that kind of money on on that. <laughs> like, like, yeah, you made it look fashionable, but I'm not spending that kind of money uh, for it. And, and I'm also not... Um, in well, disenfranchised enough, or is that the right word I want to use, to think that putting $5,000 down for a startup is the way to go. And that was the cheap side. 5000 apparently was the cheap side. I thought that was like the all-in. No, hell, that was like the bottom. You could go up to 10000 I can't imagine 10000 That's mind-boggling. I, who has that kind of, who has that kind of money? I, oof. Anyway, though, um, speaking of who has that kind of money, we are going to talk about how people were telling them to have this kind of money. But, um, Mark and Dan, starting out, they didn't have a lot of money. Dan definitely didn't. She was raising seven children as a divorced mother. And she was basically saying, you know, yeah, I was living paycheck to paycheck and I was tired of that happening. And I don't know, she tells this story about her mom and with the business her mom was doing and, um, you know, uh, had $3,000, went to the bank, had them all put into fives and then tossed it down the stairs for all the kids downstairs to do money grabs. And was like, it's all yours. Whatever you can get is yours. And she's like, that was, that was her showing us that if you worked hard enough for it, like you would get this. I don't know. I was like, yeah, it's kind of cringy and not really accurately how that works. Uh, I mean, sometimes, yeah, and most of the time, well, maybe not most of the time, but sometimes no. But then Deanne came across this man because she was going on how she wanted to buy these designer clothes, but she just didn't have the money for it. And how one day she was going to have the money for these designer clothes. So she goes to a sale, a, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not a garage sale. Um, 
oh, I've lost the name, but sort of like a garage sale. Um, and she shows up and it's all of these dresses. And she was like, all of these dresses that were originally hundreds of dollars are $10 and $20. So she had bought up dresses. And then it became a thing. She was like, oh, you know, maybe if I hosted a dress party for my friends, my friends would buy it up. So she had talked to the guy and boom, that is how her whole journey really started in this. So she started doing these dress parties with dresses he had, which by the way, it's like, um, did no one ever question how he had these quote unquote designer dresses and they were 10 and $20? Like I doubt for the volume that she said that she claimed she was selling that they just randomly had sourced all of these pre-worn garments. So I'm like, they were either like made in China, made in the black market, <laughs> like knockoffs, fakes, uh, not real, 100%. So, um, you know, I wish the documentary had kind of talked about that because I didn't even think about that till the second, but there's no way. There's no way. But anyway, she did that for years, like decades. And then one of her daughters came to her and was like, hey, can you make me a skirt? And that is how LuLaRoe actually was founded, named after their first three grandchildren, Lou, Lucy, La, what was La, and then Roe was Mon Monroe. LuLaRoe, what was the La? Uh, Lucy... You can tell, you can tell I was never, I really, truly never was interested in LuLaRoe, really. You know, and I think somewhere in my depths, I knew LuLaRoe was named after their grandchildren. Uh, but I can't, I can't speak to that for complete fact. But when she said that, I was like, oh yeah, that sounds vaguely familiar. Uh, but she started with maxi skirts. And that was the first one. And then she added the skirts to her dress parties and then that became a thing and then they were just making skirts and then Mark ended up getting pulled in because he had to go to buy the fabric and it was this whole like well we don't know how much fabric we're gonna get so if you want it you gotta buy it now uh because it might never come back again we might never be able to get this again so then it was the exclusivity of it and so then one day this woman comes to her and says you know I want to buy 10 of your skirts because I have friends and she just starts rifling through the back of Deanne's car, pulling out these skirts. And Deanne calls Mark and Mark's like, well, why don't you sell them to her at a wholesale? And then she sells them for the retail and she gets the profit of it if she's bringing in a customer base, basically, uh, where you don't have to travel to them and this is happening. So that was LuLaRoe consultant number one. Um, we don't, I don't think, did we meet that woman? I'm thinking, that was in episode one, and now I can't remember if we met that one, but we meet consultant number three, and I have to say, and they make this very clear, and even this woman, Ashley, um, makes it very clear. She's like, I understand now that my experience cannot be replicated, and Yes, like, there is nothing wrong. I guess I want to make this point clear from the start here. There is nothing wrong with MLMs saying, yeah, like, I started with this and now look at where I'm at. Because for those women, if you get in at base level, yeah, your experience is going to be great because the market is not saturated, so you have the customer base. When it becomes a problem is by the time you're like four layers in, those women are not going to be getting the same results out of this. And I guess I have just never looked at MLMs. At like when I did Young Living, or I guess I, just, I, I do sell, well, I don't sell Young Living. I'm a member just so I can buy it at a discount because I love the oils for diffusers and stuff. Uh, when I did Origami Owl, I never got into it saying like, oh, yeah, I'm going to become a millionaire. Like, yeah, I'm going to quit my day job and, and do this. Because I got in, I was still under 10000 for the reps 
what, what number was I? I or I was just over 10,000. I think I was like a, somewhere in the 11s or 12,000s. And I was like, well, that's still pretty good odds. But I just never looked at it as this is going to be my only income. Um, you know, now I have all this jewelry and I'm like, what, what do I do with this? Because I did wear it. And that was the reason why I decided to quote unquote sell it because I was like, well, I like to wear it. So why not? Because then I can get it at a discount. Um, and that was really it for me. I'm like, well, I can get it at a discount. And then if people want to buy it, yeah, I can make some money off of it. That's always been my experience um, with anything like this. But if you are base level, like Ashley was, of employee number three, consultant number three, it's nice that at least now in recognition she can look at it and say, you know, my experience cannot be replicated. And I know that now. Imagine thinking that, <laughs> imagine not realizing that though. Uh, like, I'm, I'm glad in hindsight you understand it, but yeah, yikes that you didn't realize that from the beginning. Um, so that's where LuLaRoe starts and they pick up a couple of consultants here and there and decide, let's make this an LLC. Let's, let's make this a business. And again, you know, nothing, nothing against them at this juncture in time because yeah, sure. Why not? As LuLaRoe really started to develop, though, this is where the problems start seeping in. First of all, it's this, you have to spend $5,000 on the low end to get in. That was always, I always saw that and was like, oh, hard pass, absolutely not, red flags everywhere. Now, they also talk about how the onboarding process, it would take weeks, months, like up to eight weeks at one point to get onboarded from when you originally said, hey, I want to do this to when you get the call saying, okay, give us your credit card, give your give us your credit cards, go to the bank and get a loan. Uh, what kills me is Roberta Blevins, who I follow her on TikTok. And that's where I found out about Lula Rich in the first place, and she's also featured in the uh, documentary. I had, and I do remember seeing this, With I must have just seen it because of the news and stuff, or maybe I saw it from someone else who was talking about it before it actually hit the news, but one mentor had said, well, you know, women, if you're breastfeeding, you should just sell your, um, you should just sell your milk to make the money. <laughs> Like, you can go to NICU's and you can make money and just put that away in this six to eight weeks and then you'll have the money and you have your own business and, you know, to run a good business, you've got to put the capital down to start with and all that, like, get a small business loan and all this. It just, I, yeah. Anyway, um, the onboarding thing, though, my friend Sarah was like, I can't believe, like, I had no idea that people were waiting two months in order to get into this business, like that they could keep them hype for that long. And I said, oh, well, when I did Origami Out, I remember that when I wanted to join, um, I had to wait. And I don't remember, maybe I had to wait a month. I don't know. That, there was definitely a waiting process because Origami Out wanted to build slowly. And this is where you can tell the real downfall to LuLaRoe was, was that they just were so greedy that they were slashing the onboarding times and having more and more and more and more and more people join when they couldn't keep up with the demand, but they wanted the money because they went from nothing to like $70 million in revenue to $1.3 billion in revenue that is not sustainable and it's not healthy. I vividly remember, and I mean, this is apples and oranges comparatively, but when scrunchies took off for me, I just remember every month thinking, oh, there's no way. Oh, there's no way it's going to get bigger than this. Oh, there's no way it's going to get bigger than this. Like it just, and it just kept growing and growing and growing. And it got to a point that I'm like, I don't, 
Like, it can't possibly get bigger than this because I can't handle it anymore by myself. And I had my mom and my friend's mom helping me because my mom was like, well, you don't have the money to hire someone feasibly and don't quit your day job because I can keep up with the sewing side of it. Don't quit your day job until I tell you to. And I'm really happy that I didn't quit my day job because now scrunchies are not nearly as prolific as they were because the... Uh, market is more saturated everywhere. Um, and other trends come up. I mean, scrunchies are still very much still an in thing, but I can't imagine being Mark and Deanne or anyone at the top of LuLaRoe, which by the way, was all their family. And I just also have a big problem with only hiring your family for the top spots. I, it's the nepotism for me. It is the, I mean, unless your family just happens to be good at those business things. Why are we doing this? I mean, it's nice to help out family, but you can help out family giving them a job. Like they don't, I guess like you don't necessarily have to give them like the low level entry level kind of work, but to just put them in these VP spots when they have no knowledge whatsoever absolutely blows my mind because if you only hire people that are there to agree with you, you're not going to succeed. You're just not. Like, you cannot always agree. FDR had a big thing about this. He's like, I don't need you to agree with me. I need you to tell me the truth. That is, that just blows my mind that it was just, their son was the VP of sales and their son was the VP of, uh, like mentorship or something and they hired a nephew to do the parties and stuff I just they have no they had no expertise in this and the nephew which by the way Sam super shady character uh at first I was like oh yeah and then I I was kind of like I don't know this sounds like I don't know and he's giving me kind of weird vibes and then we find out about how he had tried to invest in a marijuana farm, which was a Ponzi scheme, but he had, like, reached out to a former mentor consultant. I was like, yeah, creepy. I don't think you're really that much different than your family. Um, I mean, he made it very clear. He's like, I, I, I had no authority to be in charge of any of this. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. This is insane. Running a business like this, I just don't understand. I don't understand the thought process behind it and where they thought like, ah, yeah, that's it. That's where I want to go with this level. (laughs) This is where my ideas are going and I think this is going to work. So you can clearly see in the documentary because they start, they keep putting up these numbers of like how many consultants. And at first it is pretty okay growth. And then you can see where the demise came because it's just thousands and thousands and thousands, tens of thousands all at once. And it's just not sustainable because then your market and this one girl on there, she's like, you know, all of a sudden there were five, six, seven, eight consultants within my little town. And like, how am I supposed to sell when two houses down a girl sells and five houses down from that someone else is selling it and three streets over someone's selling it's just not sustainable. One of the other consultants had said, uh, well, mentor, which this one was a mentor, which is the top level. She was like, I will take a cut in my bonus check if you will just stop the onboarding right now so that we can get our inventory because we're not even getting our inventory at this point. And then the inventory is moldy. It's wet. It smells. And I do remember this because I have heard this before about how you can just put the leggings in the freezer if they smell. I mean, the fact that that's a drop-down menu item in the concerns should tell you that things are not well and things are not right at LuLaRoe. Because, like, I will say this the same way that I just sold my Kia. So I got a 2017 Kia two years ago in 2019. Uh, Not even a full two years ago. And... I was like, this is it. This is good. I'm going to have this car. Like, it's a 2017. had like 21,000 miles. I was like, great. I'm finally going to have a car with no problems. Well, it was burning oil. And so I call Kia and last week and I'm like, 
well, a couple weeks ago. And I'm like, I need to bring this in because I couldn't even make it 5,000 miles for my oil change. And I was nearly out of oil. And they're like, oh, okay, well, it looks like you need to come in for an oil consumption test. And then she does like some stuff on the computer. She's like, well, oil consumption tests aren't uh, like they're all the way out to October 7th. So I'll just put it in as an oil change. And I'm like, the fact that an oil consumption test is in your drop down menu at the service department tells me that you know you guys have problems. Like, and she didn't even miss a beat when I tell her this. And she's like, okay, well, it looks like you need to come in for an oil consumption test. I was like, huge red flags, big dinging everywhere. And long story short, they said that my warranty had just expired. So they weren't going to do it for free. And I was like, well, I'm not paying for it. And so, yeah, I just sold my car, um, <laughs> made money off of the car. And now I get to go car shopping again. And I will never get another Kia ever in my whole entire life. Um, but yeah, I'm like, if that's a drop-down menu item, if stinky leggings is a drop-down menu item, that should be big flashing warning signs for you. On top of the fact that you just can't get inventory, you're getting the same inventory, you're getting old inventory, you are getting ripped things, all of these. I remember the post of that. And I remember like the bad patterns and they had one of the designers on there and she looks at some of the photos and it's just the placement in the crotch area of these leggings. She's like, oh my God, it's all the crotch. It's all this. Like who is, I didn't even know. I'm like, who's doing this? It's just, they should have had that music. The, oh, it's one of the uh, like famous classical musics like that that they they could have just had that music playing for pretty much the whole second and third episodes <laughs> and you feel like yeah that makes sense so by the end of 2017 there was a mass exodus of LuLaRoe consultants and retailers I guess is what they call them uh because they had put in yeah well we have this 100% buyback guarantee it's no expiration date, all of this. If you want to get out, you go ahead, send us it back, and we'll refund your money for the wholesale price. So all of these women did it. If I had been in, I probably would have done it at that point because that would have been warning bell signaling in my head on top of everything else going on at that time. And I just also need to say that there was this one woman on there, and I, like... I am not being judgmental when I say this, but, and I know when you say but, it negates what you're about to say. She, I mean, these women are talking about how they, the mentor status, which is the top status, we're making 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 plus thousand dollars a month in bonus checks on top of the sales for getting more people to join, which they also changed in 2017 uh, to a sales-based model for getting bonus checks because that, I guess, is the definition of an illegal pyramid scheme versus just an MLM, which is legal, because a pyramid scheme is your sales are defective, like the product doesn't sell, the only way to make money in the company is by get, defrauding more people to join. And so basically these women were making tens of thousands in bonus checks by getting more people to sign up, but then they weren't, that you like they would get a $50,000 bonus check one month, but then their sales were 18,000. So they changed this and this one woman is going on about how she had bought two new cars and she had bought a Louis Vuitton and she was doing all of these nice things for herself because she quote unquote deserved it. And she uh, was maxing out credit cards and it ended up ruining her marriage. And like she almost went down to Tijuana for a gastric sleeve which Deanne and, like, a couple of the other people had done. But she did the balloon instead, and then that went horribly wrong and all this to lose weight. I mean, crazy, crazy stuff. And I know that in the moment, you're in this mindset and you can't see it. But I am going to be honest here with this woman 
the accountability that she actually needs to take with herself is staggering because, yes, LuLaRoe encouraged the mentors and stuff to show off nice things, like, because of LuLaRoe, to incentivize more people joining. But buying two new cars, maxing out credit cards, if you're making $50,000 a month in bonuses, say your sales are 18000 that's $68,000 a month. If you are spending all of that, but you're putting it on credit cards, that's not a LuLaRoe problem. That is you not having any kind of financial awareness at all. First of all, I would have been petrified that I would just owe it all back in taxes. So I would not have spent hardly anything. So I'd be like, I'm going to owe it all back. She didn't even pay cash for the cars. I would have just paid cash for the cars if I had those bonus checks coming in. I don't know. Like if I wasn't thinking about my taxes and stuff. But so now she has gotten a divorce. They split custody of their kids. She has to file for bankruptcy. Had to give back the cars. All of this. And I'm like, I feel for you. I really do. But I mean... You have to take your own ownership over the fact that you spent money you did not have in the bank. Which you should have had in the bank. That just doesn't even compute to me. It's like $50,000 a month. How do you not have any of that money in the bank? How have you spent it all? How have you maxed out all of these credit cards? What were you spending the money on? I don't even know. That just... The more I think about that, that one just absolutely, absolutely blows my mind. And I understand where she's like, you know, I was in this mindset of like, we're supposed to have nice things and we're supposed to show this off. And so that's what I was doing. And it was working because I was getting more people under my team and I was getting these bonus checks. So I kept doing it. And it is a vicious cycle, but I just, I can't imagine any world where that would be me. And my family wouldn't be like, uh, slow your roll, put half of it into your savings account for taxes, basically. Just put half of it into your savings for taxes and put a quarter, you can spend a quarter of it and then put a quarter away for just your savings, whatever. (laughs) That would have been me logically. So, yeah, I mean, is LuLaRoe awful? Yes. Did they have faulty business practices? 100%. Did they sell a dream to thousands of women that they knew could never come true? Yes. And yet also, I mean, for some of these women to walk in thinking at this point when there's a hundred thousand retailers that there were at a time that they were going to make millions of dollars, that just doesn't logically make sense to me. But it preys upon the low income, the uh, stay-at-home moms, the single mothers, a lot of them were like, I was on food stamps at the time and I didn't have two nickels to rub together. We were in debt into our eyeballs. Like me and my husband both worked and we were in so much debt. And that's exactly who these companies go after. And it's the dream. And there was this lawyer guy on there and he was so well-spoken. And he said, when everything is possible, nothing is real. Because to say that everything is possible, that anything can happen, that's not reality. It's like, yeah, one million percent. But the most shocking part to me, well, there were two. One was, get your husbands involved. Get your husbands to retire. Retire your husbands. They had this whole thing, and it was very Mormon-ish, about pleasing the husband and you should be doing all of this so your husband can retire and get your husband involved in it so he feels like he's a member of this too. But also because then they were very accurate about this. If my husband was also doing this, then we could never leave them. We were beholden to LuLaRoe because that is where both incomes would come from. And many of the husbands were like, I'm absolutely not. And they were not part of it. There was one And she used to be a couponing lady. And so I probably watched her on Extreme Couponing. She and her husband did do it. They were among one of the entry-level people and, like, had very quickly in two months risen 
up to the top because um, they had already had a following and such because of the couponing. But they were like, yeah, this is, this is not okay. Men would have men's calls about this, about LuLaRoe, and if that wasn't enough, like, oh, just please your husband. So it, they were like doing marriage counseling basically for the husbands that didn't want to quit their jobs. They would like, well, you should talk to someone to try and so that they could try and convince them. And then Deanne tells Roberta Blevins, because Roberta's like, why? Well, like, I've done all this with my husband and like, he just doesn't want to do this. And Roberta's like, well, then I guess you should get a different husband. Up. Like, excuse me? Excuse me? I think that was more shocking than you should get gastric bypass. I mean, those were both very, like, very shocking. But then they showed from one of their conferences about the drama triangle, where you have the persecutor, the rescuer at the bottom, and then the victim at the top of a triangle. And this woman, and they show it, and they say, like, former retailer. It was absolutely horrific, the things that she's saying. Like, well, when you're being negative, well, why is that happening for others and not me? You're creating part of this drama triangle and other people are going through the same exact hardships as you, but they are uh, succeeding. So why can't you succeed with this? And then she says something to the effects of, um, well, when victims retell their story, they're usually doing it for attention and with embellishments. I absolutely, my mouth was just hanging open. I don't know that woman. She was not part of the documentary. I don't know how that woman sleeps at night. I know us as a former, I just, I don't understand. I don't, I don't understand being a part of any mentality where someone's going to tell you to say that and you go, okay, and you go out and you say it. Or you say, oh, okay, and you go out and say it. There is no part of me that would ever go out in front of a group of women who you don't know what they've been through. They could be sexual abuse survivors. They could be, I mean, you have no idea, eating disorder. And then, I mean, in terms of like your business, okay, we're talking about LuLaRoe because so many women are out there complaining right now. And then saying, well, normally when victims tell their story over and over, they're looking for attention and they are embellishing it. I absolutely disgusted. Absolutely disgusted. And then Mark and Deanne in their little interview, Mark's like, well, I just want to petition Congress to put a sign in front of all birthing units, welcome to life, uh, experiences may vary. He's like, we didn't have a product issue. We had a social media issue. Like, and then they're just showing these clips of their calls. And it's like, well, I can't sell my leggings because I don't have the leggings. No, you are just in the wrong business and you shouldn't be doing I just, oh, it's horrific. It was, oh, it was horrific. That would have been my out. I would have already been like, all right, we need to like form the exit strategy here. But then when they had that buyback, I would have been person number one on the phone being like, give me my money back. I do not care. I'm not doing this anymore. Just evil. And what kills me the most is there was one person on there, Jill Dramer, and I'm going to name her. I mean, obviously you can watch it and see it anyway. She's still a member. I was looking at her Instagram last night at 1.30 a.m. because I was just like, I was horrified. And she's like, I want to be part of LuLaRoe until the day it doesn't exist anymore. Like, I just love this company. And like, if they, um, if they are found guilty, then all MLM should be, oh, hon, it's the brainwashing for me, hon. Oh, I'm like, girl, how can you watch that? There are women on there, no offense, that are skinnier than you, it's still just bigger, but skinnier than you, and they are literally telling their stories about how Deanne told them to go get gastric sleeves done in Tijuana, no less, 
and you're over here and you're like, this is such a great company. I love it. Deanne probably wouldn't even talk to you if it had been at the height of 2016, 2017 because she didn't want to be seen around big women. And like, I'm not trying to be mean, but the, the brainwashing fog is, I don't even, <laughs> oh man, I really don't. I, it's a good thing I don't know anyone now that sells LuLaRoe because I would just have to unfriend them at this point. I would just absolutely have to unfriend them because, no, mm -mm, could not be me. I guess before I officially close out the Lula Rich documentary portion of this, I have to talk about Daryl, the absolute star. The absolute star of this documentary. Uh, he worked in the email department and he just had the absolute best one-liners and whoever was filming him specifically <laughs> deserves cinematography awards. Right at the end, he has this whole spiel about how Kelly Clarkson had performed in 2017 I don't know, a convention or something or other for them. And he was appalled that LuLaRoe would pay like $5 million, whatever, for Kelly Clarkson. Well, no, what? Katy Perry was $5 million. Which, by the way, you know, I love Mario Lopez, you know, Slater from Saved by the Bell. Um, apparently, he did a LuLaRoe convention thing starting out and he was really cheap to get, apparently, which I just <laughs> feel like calling him out on this. Oh, man. What a tough day in the Mario Lopez house. But then, then we find out that Katy Perry had been the singer at the 2016 convention and that she was paid $5 million. And honestly, how embarrassing for her. Oh, man. But then... Then we find out that Kelly Clarkson also performed <laughs> at a LuLaRoe thing. And uh, Daryl just, that was just the final straw for him. And like one of his final lines, he's like, and that just ruined Kelly Clarkson for me. <laughs> how, how could she perform that? And I love Kelly Clarkson as a singer. <laughs> I mentioned some song that she sings with Jason Aldean, which I didn't know she did a song with Jason Aldean. Anyways, like that was one of my favorite songs but I will not listen to her anymore. And he just is staring at the camera and it literally just stays on him for a couple of seconds. And then he quotes Star Trek. I, I can't. The only thing that I could think of when he did that was the episode of Frasier when Frasier has to give a speech at his son's bar mitzvah and uh, it has to be in, he wants to do it in Yiddish, but he doesn't know Yiddish. So he asked, what's his name? Kenny that works at the station to help him because he'll give him Star Trek convention tickets that are coming to town, but then he doesn't get the Star Trek convention tickets. So he ends up teaching, uh, Fraser how to say it in, uh, the Spock language. <laughs> so, when, so when Fraser gets up to do it. One kid stands up making the live long and prosper simple. I mean, they could not have ended the documentary on a higher note, really, than that. Oh, it's... It's, it was a wild ride, but I mean, I still come back to that one lady that's like, LuLaRoe ruined my life. I had to file for bankruptcy and like, but I bought two cars and I was buying myself Louis Vuitton bags and I hired a chef and everything to cook for me, but I had to file for bankruptcy. No, you also did that because you just didn't live within your own means. I don't like, I feel bad and I also don't feel bad. I, I just... Just wild. The Lula Rich documentary was just wild. Delving into Lula Rowe and Lula Rich in general, it just created this whole like well of memories of all of the house parties that we used to go to when I was a kid. Oh man, there were so many back in the day, and there still are. 
Um, I'm currently scrolling mlmtruth.org and there's just a list and it's ridiculously long. Um, but like most notably for me as a child, we went to Tupperware parties and Lana Burger. Anyone else remember Lana Burger? That's based out of Ohio actually. Uh, and they, not too long ago, just took the building down, but the headquarters was built like a Lana Burger basket. And personally, I think it should have just been turned into like a hotel or like an Airbnb style mansion. That would have been cool. I would have taken that project on, even though I don't really know anything about anything renovating a house or building into a house mansion, whatever. I would have done that. Um, Usborn Books was another one that my cousin did when she um, had babies, which I always loved that one because I loved their books. I thought they were super cute. Um, there was one that was a children's clothing line, and it was mostly like seersucker prints, and they did a lot of their own embroidery, and I cannot for the life of me. Kelly's Kids. Oh my god, I just pulled that out. I don't even know how I just pulled that one out of thin air because I could not I've been thinking about it all day does that still exist no that's not on the list anymore oh, oh man I can't believe it I seriously have been sitting here thinking about this all day and I'm like what was the name of that company um okay new tab though because I do want to look up Kelly's kids Oh, it does still exist. Oh my God. It still exists. It still exists, but I don't think it, I don't think you have retailers and sellers anymore. It's just all online. That's crazy. I'm going to have to like, I'm going to have to look into that one there. Uh, that just brought back. Oh my God. That just brought back so many memories. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> 31. I'm pretty sure 31 is no longer a thing because that's also based out of Ohio. It's based out of Columbus. And I, I'm pretty sure that I remember their corporate or like the warehouse thing being closed down last year um, during Corona. But I mean, like actually closed, closed forever. Um, what were other ones? Oh, my mom used to do for a very short amount of time back when the natural supplements were a new thing. She did Starlight. And I feel like that one's really, um, oh, I wouldn't call Seiko Designs an MLM. Really? I didn't know other people could sell those. I have a pair of those sandals. I love them. Um, huh. You know, Starlight's not on here, but neither was Kelly. Well, Kelly's Kids is not, um, I think, oh man, Scentsy. Technically, I've actually never been to a Scentsy party, but I have bought Scentsy stuff before in general. They do have some good scents. Um, it, I'm like, I have the problem where I buy up a whole bunch of candles or like the wax melts and then I just pretty much never use them. Um, oh, Pampered Chef. Man, yeah, the Pampered Chef parties. Anyone else remember you always, like, they always told you before you had the party to either make the fruit pizza or a veggie pizza. And I, like, always wanted it to be the fruit pizza. And every time I went, it was always the veggie pizza. And I just wasn't a fan because it was always, like, peppers and stuff on it. And I just didn't like that. And I just didn't want to eat cold crust. Like, I just wanted the fruit pizza so much more. Yeah, that was, that was like hard on me as a child. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking here. I just saw the Advocare that I, I like remember hearing about people selling Advocare and that, what, oh, where did it just go? That said that Advocare was charged as a pyramid scheme by the FTC. So now it operates as a direct to consumer sales as of October of 2019. So, huh, missed that. Um. Arbonne. I know someone that just started up with Arbonne. I actually know someone else that does Arbonne. Um, yeah, that's another one that I've just never, never been invited, never done. Unique. Unique is like the modern day Mary Kay. Mary Kay and Avon. I feel like those are the two most outdated. Although like for some reason, and to this, 
to right here now, I don't remember how I got connected with this girl, but she's a girl that's not too much older than me. I'm 33. She might be 40. I think, but I think she's still like in her late 30s. But like, she's got like the pink Cadillac and stuff from Mary Kay. And she's on my Venmo all the time. Everyone's always paying her for like meetings and stuff. I'm like, oh, we're still doing this. Um, yeah, I don't know. She worked, she worked hard though, in a, in a way. Um, let's see. Oh, Leah Sophia, man, I forgot about that one. I almost thought about selling Leah Sophia mostly just so I could get the, um, uh, I just wanted the discount. <laughs> And now I've like given away all of that jewelry. I don't know that I own a single Leah Sophia thing left. But for me, I can't wear fake jewelry. I can't wear like brass plated jewelry of any kind. So Leah Sophia was always nice because I could wear, I could wear it didn't turn my body green and it was relatively well priced. Um, hmm, what else is on here? I'm just, just going. Keep Collective owned by Stella and Dot. I mean, does Stella and Dot still exist? I haven't, um, I haven't thought about, or I haven't heard anything from Stella and Dot, Stella and Dot, and I haven't heard anything from, um, Keep Collective in forever, because they also, see, I'm very much the, I love jewelry, so, like, okay, if it's a jewelry party, you pretty much have me and I'll at least look. <laughs> that's, um, that's me. Um, tastefully simple. Now I will say we do use a lot of tastefully simple seasonings. They're really good. Um, I mostly just have to buy them online because it's like, you can't find anyone that actually sells it anymore. Um, Oh man, Team Beachbody. That one is a complete scam. Hated that. You know, 31 Gifts isn't uh, crossed out, so I guess maybe it is still open. I don't know where it's open still, though. Oh, I can't believe I remembered. Tyra, Tyra Beauty? Was that like Tyra Banks? What? Did Tyra Banks have her own MLM? What? What? Um, there's just, oh yeah, Willing Beauty, that was a subset of, uh, Origami Al trying to get into the beauty business. I just, there, there's literally MLMs for travel. Wow. So many natural supplements, so many, I can't believe travel. How the heck do you have a... Oh, you know, one that I've always wondered about is, um, oh, I wonder if that's YTB International. There used to be someone that I knew and she was always holding up signs saying you should be here. And I was like, I think this is a, <laughs> I think that's an MLM. Um, but she was always, I don't know, she was always going on, um, cool trips, so, I don't know, works for her, I guess. Um, oh, is it, it's part of World Venture, I see. Does World Venture still exist? Oh. It's just, it's wild. I would really love, and you know, everyone talks about Amway. I don't even understand what Amway really is, to be fair. Oh, there's one for glasses. Wonder Eyewear. That's literally an MLM. Wealth Perks. Coupons, Vacations, and Lotto. That doesn't even make any... How? How? How are you selling this? Via One Hope. Wine. Velo Vita. Energy Drink Supplement. Vantel pearls. Oh my God, the pearls. There was a, there was quite a while that I had pearl videos showing up on my Facebook page. I'm like, are we really selling? Are we really getting into this? Are we really buying pearls? Oh man. Imagine explaining that one to your family. I'm like, well, I stay home and I go on Facebook live to sell pearls. I don't know. I guess it works for, it worked for them. I don't know. 
Oh, Cutco knives. We actually have Cutco knives. Those are nice. <laughs> I'm just, oh, so many. Wait, trip, T-R-Y-P, ride sharing. Status is MLM uncertain. What? How do you have an MLM for ride sharing? How is that a thing? More travel agencies. Travel Paneur. Travel. Travel. Traverse Global. Travilio. <laughs> Traveling Vineyard. It's another line. Trades of Hope for Jewelry. That sounds oddly familiar. Um, oh, Tokara. Why does that sound familiar? That sounds familiar, too. That's based in Canada. Um, what else we got here? Fi teach me cash for financial education. Wow. Sunrider International Health, Beauty, Food, and Household Goods. Well, that just seems like the Walmart of, oh my God, stamping up. That took me back. Uh, yeah, we have a whole craft room full of stamping up stuff. And wait a minute, is what about creative memories? Yes, <laughs> closed and reopened under new ownership for scrapbooking. Yeah, so oh man, that one really. That pulled a memory out. We used to do one Saturday a month that I would go hang out with my mom and her friends. So they were all older and I was literally like the only child there. And we would do creative memories and stamping up. We would make cards and scrapbooking pages. Oh my God. <laughs> oh man. I just kind of completely forgot about that. Wow. I wonder what Stampin' Up! is up to. I actually did. I mean, they're stamp they last a really long time. They are actually really good. And if you're into that, I don't know. It works for you. Captain, wait, what? Captain Tortu, French clothing. What? Selments, skin care spray. The CEO movement, online sales system. Chalk Couture, home decor. Chalky & Co., home. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. I need to look up chalk decor. Wait, was that the name of it? Shoot. And now I've just gone out of the, I've gone out of my list here. What was the name of it again? Um, oh, chalk couture. I was doing, um, chalk decor. Okay. Chalk couture. <laughs> as soon as you do assess compensation plan. Okay. You know, I really shouldn't click on all of these things because then it's going to show up for me. Uh, up to Snow Good, 25% off Snowflake cutouts for Club Couture subscribers. What the heck is this? Not your average permanent chalk ink. Exclusive boards and textiles, accessories. Is it like what? Vinyl transfers. Oh, it's like a, instead of having your own silhouette machine and making things, you just buy pre-cut vinyl. That's a thing? Oh, it's from Utah. I feel like that explains a lot. Um, I don't know. That sounded derogatory, didn't it? <laughs> I don't know. That just, that definitely sounds like a thing. Now it's going to show up somewhere for me. Um, what was the, oh, Captain Tortu. I want to see what the uh, French clothing looks like. There's one for keto diets now. Of course there is because, I mean, strike while the iron's hot. That's all. That's all I can say about that. Like, join an MLM for your keto diet. <laughs> Oh. Hey, hon, you should really just eat bacon and cheese. Hmm. I'm trying to see the clothing line here, see if anything looks good on Captain Tortue. Oh, they have a whole magazine. Hmm. 
I don't get to see anything. It shows me nothing. Maybe I can't purchase it because I'm in America. Interesting. Very interesting. On that note, I think I'm going to sit here and scroll through more MLM. You should look up that website, mlmtruth.org. Just see the whole A through Z list and some numbers in there too for your own viewing pleasure. Although now I'm definitely going to have everything show up on my Google ads. So that's going to be wonderful. Oh man. I would say until next week, but I have a special bonus podcast coming out this week all about the 90s and early 2000s trends that definitely should never come back. And then I just got so excited about, well, I mean, there are things that I rebuke in the name of the Lord. Um, but then there were just things that I just missed so much and I'm so excited that are back that I also talked about that too. So make sure you come back later this week for that bonus episode of the podcast. And until next time after that, and until next week after this bonus episode, remember there are no bad hair days and remember don't wear LuLaRoe leggings and don't spend all your money without putting some in the bank for later for a rainy day or in case the company tries to defraud you out of it. Uh, but also, there are no bad hair days. I will see you guys next time.